Welcome to another Griffith University podcast. Yes, this is uh, a presentation of a, a part of the uh, book that um, I've written that's just been published by the University of Queensland Press called Tax Havens and Sovereignty in the Pacific Islands. But I'll look at um, a very small part of the book which deals with um, the development, um, lack of development, success or failure of different um, offshore financial centers in uh, Oceania and uh, try to give um, an institutional explanation of why some of them have succeeded far more than others. Um, often um, Offshore financial centers or tax havens are presented uh, to regional elites as being a uh, very good development option. Um, and yet, in the Pacific, where these suggestions are often made, um, there is not a single fully functional uh, center which is actually uh, developed. And the returns um, have often um, disappointed the island's politicians who have supported uh, the proposals. Um, this isn't to say that some of them haven't been fairly successful in terms of generating um, significant government revenue, uh, but uh, overall the uh, promises have been far less than the realizations. There's some synergy with telecommunications upmarket tourism and uh, construction, but there are problems in terms of the dependency which the successful centers um, develop with unstable uh, international financial flows, um, increased contacts with criminals, um, and conflicts with metropolitan states and international organizations, particularly uh, over uh, tax minimization, avoidance, or um, evasion, as well as uh, money laundering. Um, now, offshore financial centers do benefit from the small size of uh, Pacific Islands populations because the um, relatively small revenues that the offshore financial centers generate for the host governments um, in proportion to the overall financial flows that go through them, um, can be quite substantial on a per capita basis um, in countries with fairly small populations. Uh, furthermore, the distance of Pacific Island states, which is also uh, often cited as a disadvantage in terms of their general economic development, can be an advantage in terms of offshore financial center development, particularly distance from uh, intrusive metropolitan uh, regulatory and taxation officials. Um, so um, the offshore financial centers uh, in the Pacific um, have developed relatively successfully um, in four countries, and, and I want to look at the reasons for the uh, success of those havens as well as the uh, reasons for the um, relative lack of success um, of uh, offshore financial center development in other 
Pacific uh, countries. Um, and the way that I want to do this is by looking at the internal organization of the havens. There's a tendency to look at tax havens from a rather ethnocentric or egocentric point of view from metropolitan countries and uh, try to estimate how much tax revenue is being lost uh, to these havens or condemn them in various ways. And I think, you know, there's, um, there, there are a lot of good reasons for doing that. But one thing that uh, is notably absent, and in fact this is a new model, is looking at how the offshore financial centers are actually organized in the Pacific Islands countries. Uh, what kind of institutional arrangements um, tend to be found um, in various havens and how do they actually affect the success or failure of um, the uh, offshore financial centers. And what I've come up with is that there are actually three different types of offshore financial centers in the Pacific Islands. I suspect that um, this typology may be useful um, for uh, looking at the institutional structures of, of uh, offshore financial centers in other parts of the world, but I'm only considering the uh, Pacific Islands uh, here. And these three types are the isolate, the foreign professional monopoly agency, and uh, the subculture. Uh, and they have very distinct um, institutional uh, arrangements and also very uh, different um, trajectories in terms of um, how they tend to develop in terms of sustainability. Um, the isolate is um, largely alone outside the offshore or tax haven community um, and uh, the isolates include um, the offshore financial centers of Norfolk Island, Nauru, Tonga, Palau, the Northern Marianas, the Marshall Islands until 1990, Guam, Tuvalu, and Kiribati. So most of the attempts to develop um, offshore financial centers in the Pacific Islands have taken this isolate um, institutional structure. And they haven't been very successful over the long term, at least. Um, these uh, havens have not belonged to offshore associations or tax haven associations. They've not cooperated with other uh, offshore financial centers. Um, they have restricted support networks. Uh, they have very little access to peer review by other uh, havens, uh, nor do they uh, tend to acquire much information um, about the evaluation of their activities. They tend to be cut off from uh, new opportunities and um, the awareness of the tactics of metropolitan governments in controlling offshore financial centers. They've had fairly limited sophistication uh, in the development of their offshore financial centers, and they've been particularly unstable. Uh, frequently offering one-off, discrete, and poorly integrated uh, services. Um, an isolates government may be a wholesaler of offshore financial uh, services, such as offshore bank licenses, um, to one or more foreign retailer, 
um, sometimes of dubious reliability, um, and um, may uh, in some cases sell uh, these itself or through a domestically owned retailer. Uh, the government may exercise little supervision or control over these retail dealers, uh, which may sell offshore financial services from a number of jurisdictions around the world. Uh, the government may establish a special domestic entity to receive the proceeds from some or all of the offshore businesses, for instance, the Nauru Agency for Nauru's uh, offshore corporate and banking registrations, uh, or the Tonga Trust Fund, which received the profits from Tonga's uh, uh, passport sales and uh, rentals of its uh, geostationary satellite orbits, um, in addition to uh, some of its um, offshore banking activities. Um, most often, however, the responsibility and benefits um, go to the general revenues of some pre-existing government agency. Uh, which may not give the offshore financial center a high priority. And this was the case in the Marshall Islands until the 1990s, Palau, the Northern Marianas, Guam, Tuvalu, and Kiribati. Um, the isolated fringe character um, of this type of institutional organization tends to restrict its access to respectable legal, financial, and accounting services. Um, and uh, there has been uh, a history of many of them losing a striking amount of the total proceeds through incompetence, bad advice, uh, fraud, corruption, or theft. Um, isolates are also likely to attract racketeers, uh, foreign or domestic, attempting to retail sovereignty products such as offshore banking licenses, flags of convenience, uh, or passports. Uh, unlike the foreign professional monopoly agencies, which I consider a little later, uh, these promoters lack professionalism, and even if they are granted monopolies, may not provide significant benefits for the Pacific Islands countries uh, themselves. Um, and uh, they tend to uh, direct a large proportion of the profits toward their personal and familial accounts rather than general uh, revenues. Um, Promoters in isolates often perceive the offshore financial centers as a means for gaining substantial uh, revenues for relatively little effort um, and frequently create undefined amorphous and uh, shaky structures. Um, a select few people are often immensely enriched, um, even if they lose part of their gains in a reverse windfall. Uh, for instance, uh, the Tonga Trust Fund accumulated uh, as much as $37 million, but then uh, the uh, king of Tonga, and this is not a joke, um, decided to uh, direct the investment uh, advice function to the court jester. Uh, and uh, the court jester uh, lost all but uh, $1 million of the uh, $37 million, um, although it's not quite clear whether some of the money didn't actually go to him personally. But in any case, um, in places where uh, the dominant um, offshore financial centers are organized by professional uh, monopoly agencies or some subcultures, uh, one or two of the businesses in which they engage may be isolates, for instance, passport sales in the Marshall Islands, Vanuatu, and Samoa. 
Um, but generally, the least desirable clients um, interested in the uh, dirty uh, work of the world tend to gravitate toward isolates. Uh, the isolates uh, situation also attracts attention from international organizations, metropolitan regulators, and policing organizations, and leads to accusations of misconduct. Uh, some of the um, services of the isolates offshore financial centers work for clients, but a significant number do not. Um, and even and perhaps especially when they work, for instance, for money laundering, tax evasion, financial frauds, or facilitating the international mobility of criminals, terrorists, and unwanted migrants. And I give examples of all of these in the book. Um, they have legitimacy problems. Um, their frequent direct or indirect involvement in exploiting clients and third parties lowers the prestige of offshore financial centers in general and evokes greater metropolitan control. Since isolates do not belong to the offshore community, they cannot be expelled from it. Uh, those who felt victimized um, by an isolate have little recourse, especially if their own activities have been illegal in their home countries. Uh, so frequently, isolate uh, products such as um, uh, offshore banks are marketed to clients on the ground that they can do uh, tax evasion and money laundering uh, through them and of course uh, they can't actually go to their home countries and say that they've been cheated um, by not being able to do this uh, uh, in a sufficiently effective manner. Um, isolates um, offshore financial centers may be subject to significant role strain um, as they may conflict with other more central goals within the Pacific Island polity. For instance, uh, many uh, Pacific Islands leaders are interested in international respectability. Uh, and when they actually accepted the idea of creating uh, an offshore financial center, they didn't realize that this would involve them getting into um, conflicts with powerful metropolitan states. Uh, and, of course, because they value their relations with powerful metropolitan states more than they do with the offshore financial centers, that produces certain kinds of role strains. Um, offshore financial centers in uh, isolates are likely to have particularly poor public images, and often a scandal forces them to reduce or end their activity. So um, these uh, situations that I've described, these countries that have been involved in offshore financial centers, um, frequently have to terminate their activities as a result of some sort of um, scandal or conflict with metropolitan states. Um, a number of offshore financial centers and isolates are completely or mostly abandoned within a short period of time after their inception. Uh, many or all banking licenses, shipping registrations, passports, and so on may be revoked. Um, well, one uh, offshore financial center may disappear in an isolate, another may arise. So there's a tendency of countries that get into the isolate track to sort of reinvent some other financial, uh, offshore financial service in the future. Um, and the exception to this has been the Marshall Islands, which started in the isolate um, uh, mode, but then turned into a foreign professional monopoly agency like uh, NUI and uh, Federated States of Micronesia since 2005. This is where the um, offshore financial center in the Pacific um, 
is basically managed by uh, a an agency in another country, which is very professional. So, for instance, uh, the Marshall Islands Offshore Financial uh, Center um, is run by international registries in Reston, Virginia, uh, very closely tied to the U.S. Uh, security state and military industrial complex. Um, NUI was... Um, run by Mossack Fonseca, which was a law firm in Panama City, uh, and uh, Micronesia Registration Advisors in the Federated States of Micronesia, which was founded in 2005, is run by, um, or, or uh, it, it runs the Federated States of Micronesia uh, Offshore Financial Center from Honolulu since 2005. Um, these um, uh, Types of foreign professional monopoly agencies provide significant training services, clientels, and opportunities and support for the offshore financial centers, as well as ideological defenses and, tax, uh, and tacti tactics for dealing with possible countermeasures for metropolitan governments. Uh, they tend to have highly competent legal accounting and professional teams, although they may be somewhat McDonaldized. Um, emphasizing fast, reliable, trustworthy, consistent, relatively inexpensive, and rather impersonal service. Um, so they don't tend to tailor their services as much as the next type of offshore financial center, which uh, is uh, run by subcultures. Uh, but clients in the foreign professional monopoly agency tend to know exactly what they're getting, which is this kind of service. Um, and the foreign professional monopoly agency usually makes great attempts to maintain mutually satisfactory and continuous relationships with clients. Um, well, um, the isolate, on the other hand, um, tends to uh, have often random and transitory uh, relationships with its clients. Um, the foreign professional monopoly agency um, has a powerful managerial position uh, and has a long-term contract to benefit from the profits of the venture. Um, and it tends to shape the offshore financial center through its dominance and expects deference from the Pacific Islands government. Uh, needless to say, this frequently presents conflicts between um, the um, company which is actually operating the offshore financial center and the Pacific Islands government. Um, and so there have been um, significant uh, conflicts between uh, the government of Nui, for instance, and um, Mossack Fonseca in Panama City. Uh, there's also been the problem of uh, J.P. Morgan refusing to transfer funds from Mossack Fonseca in Panama to Nui, claiming this was at a time when J.P. Morgan itself was under investigation for extensive money laundering that it couldn't possibly participate in a transfer of funds from one tax haven to another because it was so pure. Uh, and uh, uh, that was, a, that was a, a useful dodge for J.P. Morgan in trying to clean up its image, but uh, it tended to end the relationship between Nui and Mossack Fonseca. So the Nui arrangement was entirely wrapped up in 2006. 
Now, finally, we look at the subcultures, which is um, the uh, which are the ways in which the offshore financial centers in Vanuatu, the Cook Islands, and Samoa have been organized, um, where there is a an offshore community in the Pacific Islands country itself, um, composed of major international banks, accounting firms, lawyers, and other financial um, service providers with uh, a strong presence within the Pacific countries. Uh, they tend to have close relationships with global offshore associations, extensive direct contacts with global uh, regulators. Um, they are eager for acceptance by other subcultures uh, around the world, um, and they are relatively respected. One way you can see this is in the most respected tax haven journal, which is called uh, Offshore Investment, uh, where people from the respected subcultural uh, tax havens tend to write articles. You don't find the people uh, from the isolates ever writing articles in these in journals like offshore investment. Um, subcultures do not focus on quick and easy money so much as they emphasize the time and effort required to build a sustainable uh, tax haven. Um, and uh, they tend to uh, create styles, strengths, and weaknesses uh, within uh, the uh, subculture which tend to be uh, repeated. Uh, furthermore, they often have rare specialized skills. For instance, in the Cook Islands, um, uh, the Asset Protection Trust was developed for the first time, and so the Cook Islands subculture then becomes very oriented around that particular vehicle of the um, Asset Protection Trust. Um, I can explain what that is later if we have enough time. Um, the government sells offshore financial services in the subcultures principally through authorized service providers, um, usually a mixture of domestic trustee companies, legal and accounting firms, fund managers, uh, and uh, company registration agents with some involvement of banks and insurance companies. Uh, they operate in the Pacific Islands country but serve offshore clients. Um, although these uh, domestic companies may do a little bit of subcontracting to uh, foreign retail dealers. Um, they, uh, subcultures may have some um, monopoly agencies owned and managed by members of the domestic subculture, but these are not foreign professional monopoly agencies because they're not owned by foreigners. They're owned by people within the um, domestic service. So you have uh, Tom Bayer, who's a very dominant figure in the Vanuatu tax haven. He's a citizen of Vanuatu. Uh, his firm has a monopoly on the flag of convenience uh, of Vanuatu. But this is a domestic monopoly, not a foreign one. Yes. Yeah, right, okay. Um, so uh, that's fine. Um, the, the other thing that's notable is that uh, the people within the subcultures tend to be around each other for very long periods of time. They tend to have careers which are entirely within the Pacific Islands tax haven. And another notable thing is that they tend to develop very strong ideological justifications of tax haven activities. Um, and these are often stigmatized, of course, in the metropolitan media, but uh, tend to be justified internally by a very strong ideology of laissez-faire capitalism. Uh, so the tax havens are actually performing a service 
to the world by um, encouraging um, laissez-faire capitalism. Um, subcultures um, have a much greater ability than isolates or foreign professional monopoly agencies to insinuate these offshore ideologies into other groups in the Pacific Island society as well because they're there because they tend to have uh, quite a strong presence and be very powerful. Um, uh, the, the tax haven ideology, uh, particularly the laissez-faire capitalist uh, ideology, um, often has a great deal of impact upon people who are not in the tax haven per se. Um, and uh, so uh, finally, um, another feature, of course, which goes in which goes along with their being very uh, strong uh, local presences is that they tend to have strong local political impact. Uh, and they participate in public service and community affairs. Uh, for instance, offshore trust companies in uh, the Cook Islands are often contributing books to the libraries, uh, <laughs> sponsoring contestants in the beauty contests, uh, winning the fun runs, etc. So they have quite a, uh, a local uh, presence, which of course isn't true of uh, the situation in the isolates or the foreign professional monopoly agencies. Um, so, uh, in any case, um, the uh, isolates tend to be um, fairly short-lived. Um, the foreign professional monopoly agencies tend to have variable lives, but they can be terminated abruptly if the uh, agency links are broken. The subcultures tend to be uh, very, um, uh, or much uh, longer in terms of their uh, lives. Uh, there's also a difference in the range and internal integration of the, uh, of the offshore financial centers. In other words, the subcultures tend to offer far more services. Uh, they tend to have much stronger support networks. Uh, they tend to contribute much more sustainable benefits to Pacific Islands governments. Uh, and they don't tend to have as many legitimacy problems. Uh, now, this uh, indicates the different styles of organization that have been dominant in different uh, offshore financial centers or tax havens in the Pacific. And here I've made a very poor attempt uh, to actually indicate the kinds of services that are, are offered. I don't think this is actually going to work. Um, but uh, in any case, the, this first column here, which is incomplete because you can't see the Cook Islands, for instance, is uh, companies. I think the next one is trusts. Yeah, this is partnerships here. Uh, this is flags of convenience. And you can see the way in which uh, these different forms of services have been um, provided by uh, different uh, havens. And of course, some uh, some havens haven't tried to provide all, a full range of services, and this is particularly true of the isolates, because the isolates tend to concentrate on a fairly narrow range of uh, offshore financial services or tax haven services. Uh, and often there are scandals or crises in the provision of these which lead to the demise, uh, but often also the reinvention of those havens. Yeah. Okay, that's it. For more Griffith University podcasts, 
go to www.griffith.edu.au forward slash podcasts.